Welcome to this week's episode of Lazy Boy Coaches. As always, I'm Scott. I'm Alan. And uh, another week, uh, another round of prospects and the continuation of our mock draft. Yeah. Um, you know, I was kind of kind of shocked by the, the edge rushers when we came, when I started going through them and looking at them all. Like, it's not a very impressive class. No, no. Uh, you know, especially after the last couple of years where we had you know, a Nick Bosa and a Chase Young and guys like that. There's nobody really that stands out like that in this year's class. There's just not. No. And, I mean, you know. There's, I think, maybe one, maybe two guys that will make the first round. Uh, I've been hearing a possible of a third one. They're saying that he shouldn't. he's definitely like a second-round player. But at the end up there is where some players need some defensive ends and are willing to, you know, take a shot on somebody. Yeah. So, uh, but, I don't... You know, two for sure uh, first-round draft picks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, there, there's... Like you said, there's not really anybody that that stands out. Um, yeah. But the free agency, that's where you're going to find your edge rusher this year. Yeah. So. So, uh, let's... Uh, Let's go ahead and start our list. Um, at number one, I had Quiddy Pay uh, from Michigan. Uh, you know, he's one of the guys that's going to go in the first round. Um, he can line up at tackle and sub packages. You know, he's got size, speed, athleticism, lots of upside. Um, but you know, all of these all of these edge rushers that, that we're going to talk about today need a lot of refinement um but he i think he's the best of the class for me oh yeah definitely he's he's the most nfl ready you know he's a very athletic defensive end he he can you know keep a quarterback in the pocket you know he gets to him so i mean he'll definitely go first round um it's interesting to see where he'll go but i mean as far as defensive ends he's the top of the list. Yeah. Um, at number two, I have Jalen Phillips out of Miami. Uh, there were two guys uh, out of Miami that were, were pretty decent. This is the one that made my list. Um, he had a great pro day. Uh, if you watched the Miami pro day, he, I think, definitely helped his draft stock a lot. Uh, he, he's got real good speed. He ran a, like 4'6", 40". For, which for a defensive end, that's pretty impressive. Um, he Last year, he had 45 tackles, 8 sacks, and 1 interception. Uh, he, you know, he's a transfer at, from UCLA. Uh, he took the place of uh, the other Miami prospect that guys have their eye on who sat out last year. And, you know, he definitely proved that that was the right move for him. Right. And I also have Jalen Phillips. I mean, he's just, he's one of those defensive ends that, you know, he's, he can disrupt the passing game. Absolutely. Just, he's always getting his hands up. Um, you know, we've seen that with an interception, three pass defense def- deflections, you know, so he's, he can hurt you without necessarily getting to you. you know? Right. Eight sacks, that's not a bad year for a defensive end. I mean, most of them are a little bit higher, but I take eight sacks. Yeah. So, I mean, sitting and, and, there. You know, that doesn't always tell the whole story because quarterback pressures, you know, guys get the ball out of their hands pretty quick nowadays. So, you know, eight sacks is good, but doesn't necessarily tell the whole story of his game and how. Right. And he's also, he you know, on he was on that Miami team. So, I mean, they had a good defense. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he's not going to get there every time with a defense like that. Right. Uh, who do you got sitting at number three? At number three, I went with a, a long shot, a risk pick. Uh, I picked the other defensive end out of Miami, Gregory Rusio. Um, I know he set out this year, but the previous year he had uh, 15 and a half sacks. He had two interceptions. He's just got real long arms. He's really good at keeping the blockers off of his body. He has a lot of potential. But he's a risk player because you're basing it on potential only. Because he set out a year, he didn't have a all that impressive, you know, uh, pro day. But I think if you 
if you're sitting in a position where you can get him and you can sit him for a year or two, he could really work out to be that, that chance you take. See, and that's what I was going to say was the reason he's not in my top five is because of his poor showing at his pro day. Um, you know, reading up on him and watching everything, a lot of guys think that he's overrated for, for what he does. Uh, he Yeah, he did have a good season previously, but, um, you know, defensive end is one of those positions where, you know, taking a year off can hurt you. Uh, if you're not getting the constant in-game reps, you know, and constantly working at it, it can definitely work against you. And I think that that showed in his pro day. You know, he wasn't as fast or explosive as everyone thought he was going to be. And just, I don't know, just kind of was unimpressive. Right, but then you have to ask yourself, was he unimpressive because he took that year off and he just needed, you know, he wasn't maybe in 100%, you know, condition that he was the year before. But he showed that the talent is there, which means he can get back there. And that's the risk you're taking is, you know, hoping he gets back there. And if he does, you just got to steal. Well, it, risk reward, I mean. Right, and I mean, it could be like a Jadavon Clowney, you know. He came in, I guarantee you the Texans are not happy they drafted him. Well, I don't... I don't know. Like I said, there's a reason he didn't make my top five, and right, we're not going to agree on every pick. So no, and it's not that we disagree. It's just you're not going to give it to someone because he had a good year the year before because right. that was last year. Right. Uh, my number three, I have Jason Oway from Penn State. Um, you know, he he had real real good flashes of potential, uh, but he needs to work on being more consistent. Um, you know, he, it was there and then it wasn't, he just, consistency is key. Consistency is going to, is what's going to make your, your money for you. Um, you know, he's one of these guys though, that, that is a workout freak, you know, he'll put in the work for you. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll definitely be in shape. Um, I think when he does have his pro day that, that could definitely help his stock. Let guys get a, a pretty good look at him. Um, but I don't know. That, that's who I have at number three. I, I wasn't overly impressed with anybody really in this this class of defensive ends. Right. Um, number four, I have Carlos Basham out of Wake Forest. Uh, overall, he played fairly well in 2020. Uh, he, he's, he does a good job pressuring the quarterback. He's got a great motor, good size. Uh, you know he, he's real real good at closing uh, on ball carrier, so that's a guy that you know definitely want to keep your eye on. Yeah, um, I also have uh, Carlos Bashim. You know, he's just he's a big dude, and I mean I don't know if he'll stay at a defensive end. Maybe you know two seventy five. You go into the NFL, you can definitely make him a you know a huge in the you know defensive tackle part of it. But you know. The one thing he's shown over his years of playing is he's gotten better each year. You know, starting out, had four sacks, and he had 11 sacks, you know. Like, his numbers have gotten better. So, I'm going to go with that and take it as that's just going to carry over, and he's just going to continue getting better with better coaches, with better skill talent around him. Right. You know. So, yeah, I think he could definitely turn out to be a really good defensive end. Yeah. Um who do you have at your number five spot? Number five, uh, I have Joe Tryon from Washington. Yep, that's yeah. that's where I went as well. Yeah, he's he's just pretty much like all the other defensive ends, you know. He shows a little bit more talent than the others. That's why I put him there. But uh, most of them are, they're not going to come in and be your first-year starter defensive end. You know, they're going to take work. You might see him later on in the season playing more, but I think all of them are a development. Yeah. You know, so and he, he's another guy that sat out twenty twenty, uh, because of the COVID and especially it was especially tough with the Pac twelve, um, you know, because they said we're not gonna play and then at the last minute they said they were gonna play. 
So guys from the Pac-12, it kind of screwed with him a little bit, but he ultimately did sit out the 2020 season. Um, you know, he's got a lot of upside. Uh, he definitely needs to work on his run defense, um, kind of tracking the ball a little bit. But as far as, you know, being that, that edge rusher and getting pressure on the quarterback, he does a pretty damn good job at that. Yeah. Um, you know, he when you look at his stats, I mean, it's not bad at all. You know, he gets tackles. He gets back there. He causes problems for the quarterbacks. So, and whenever you come from the Pac-12, you're, you're coming against good offensive linemen. Right. So, I mean, he's doing it against good people, not just, you know, blowing Nebraska up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, we're going to continue our mock draft as well. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of have a little bit of a recap of where we've been so far. Today, we're doing picks 11 through 15. Um, so, a quick recap. Uh, you know, again, the story with with the first part of the draft is quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Um, of course, we got the Jags taking Trevor Lawrence, the Jets taking Zach Wilson, uh, the 49ers taking Justin Fields, who just had his second pro day and looked ultra impressive. He looked really, really good. Um, but we got him going third to the 49ers. At four, we got the Falcons taking Trey Lance. At five, we have the Bengals taking Jamar Chase, you know, adding that, that depth at wide receiver with a guy that Joe Burrow is familiar with. Uh, at six, we had Miami adding another weapon in Kyle Pitts. Um, at seven, we had Denver reaching and taking Mac Jones. Uh, eight, we had Carolina taking the offensive lineman out of Oregon, Panini Sewell. Uh, nine, we had Detroit taking Jalen Waddell, adding a weapon there. At 10, we had Dallas taking Patrick Sertain and adding to their abysmal defense. Um, so now we got 11 through 15. Um, at 11, the Giants are on the clock. And, you know, it's it's hard because the Giants, they really needed to work on that offensive line. I think that was their biggest thing. You know, they got some good wide receivers now. They're getting Barkley back, so that's a good thing. Um, yeah, they, they, they addressed quite a bit in uh, free agency. Plus, like you said, they're getting Saquon Barkley back. So... At 11, I have them taking Rayshon Slater, <coughs> excuse me, offensive tackle. Um, they, I think they're going to, you know, get more protection for, uh, for Daniel Jones. Um, you know, Slater was a three-year starter. He can play either left or right tackle. Uh, he's got real good footwork. Um, where he's lacking is prototypical size. You know, he's not as long as you'd like to see out of a tackle, which I think that could move. They, that could have them move him to guard. But I, I think he'll at least get a shot to prove that he can be a tackle because he did a damn good job of it in college. Right, and they need they need to protect Daniel Jones. He showed. I mean, granted, you don't want him running seventy-five yards because he's gonna get he's gonna trip at sixty-eight. <laughs> You're gonna ride that into the ground forever. Yes, I am. Um, but yeah, so I, I got I got them taking Rayshon Slater. Um, I don't know what, who you had him taking, or if we're in agreement there. No, I totally agree with Slater as the offensive tackle. You know, they they need that line. They got to do something. Okay, well then, let's move on to number 12, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, you know, I I kind of struggled with this a little bit because I could see the Eagles taking a wide receiver. Um, you know, I, I could see them taking one of the Alabama wide receivers. Um, but I think with their second-year quarterback, they want to you know, help keep him upright. They lost a couple pieces on that offensive line. So, uh, I have them taking Aliha Vera Tucker from USC, the offensive guard. 
Um, he was first team all conference. Got great hands, powerful hands, great core strength. Um, he's a better pass blocker than he's a run blocker, but that's not saying that he's a bad run blocker. He's a solid run blocker. Um, so I, I got I got Philly taking him to kind of shore up that line a little bit and help their young quarterback. Yeah, I'm. I know they need to, but they also need to work on their defensive side. And I think this is a spot where we could see a corner go off with J.C. Horn. Um, we both had talked about him as a, as a, you know one of the top cornerbacks. They're gonna have a chance to get him, and I think that would be a great pick for them. Um, there's gonna be tackles throughout the draft that they can get. There's not many you know first year starting cornerbacks. And I think this is what you get with J.C. Horn. See, and I have J.C. Horn going 13 to the Chargers, the very next pick. Um, you know, he was a three-year starter. You know, we kind of talked about it when we did our our cornerback rankings. Uh, great, impressed man. Um, he's willing to follow your top wide receiver wherever. You know, he doesn't just play one side of the field. Um, he needs to work on his uh, route anticipation and kind of is his hands downfield. But other than that, you know, definitely I, I think that's what the Chargers need. We lost a lot of, you know, close one-score games in the last couple of minutes because our defense failed us. So I, I think this is a prime spot for J.C. Horn to go. 13 to the L.A. Chargers. Mm-hmm. Who do you have the Chargers taking? I actually have the Chargers taking uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, so we were just flip-flopped there. Yep. Um, I think he, you know, an offensive lineman for your guys' new quarterback would be good. You know, make him feel a little bit more comfortable back there. And See, um, and I, th- I think we addressed our offensive line in free agency. That's why I didn't have us taking one in the in the first round of the draft. I think we had other needs that we needed to address there. Yeah, it's just, you know, like your guys' defense is solid. Um, so I would, like for me, I just think I would take the offensive line where I do have such a solid defense when healthy. If 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 J.C. Horn is off the board, then I see us taking uh, like a Devonta Smith. We don't necessarily need a wide receiver with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams there, but to add that kind of a playmaker for our young quarterback would be pretty pretty on point. Right, and see, I, with with the Chargers, I think the first round and probably the second round should go to helping out your quarterback. That's one thing they never did with Rivers. You know, they never really gave Rivers a complete set of weapons. They either had the really good tight end with a good wide receiver, two good wide receivers, but they've never had a complete package, and I think they're closer now to that. Oh, we did. We definitely did. When we had Vincent Jackson and LT and Antonio Gates, we had a complete set. It was, our again, our defense that failed us. That's yeah, why... then, that was definitely the defense, yeah. But your, your defense has been fixed. That, that's why I see us taking J.C. Horn, um, because corner is definitely a spot where we can use the help. Right. And honestly, with whoever they take out of our picks, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help them out. Right. Um, 14... Is Minnesota. Who do you got Minnesota taking? Jalen Phillips. We talked about him. It's a spot that they're weak on. They need, you know, they need to strengthen up on that defense. And I think he's just a a good choice to go with. You know what you're getting. You know where his skill levels are set at. So, I mean, I I don't see anything bad with that pick. Um, you know, I, I was on the same track with you, just different player. Um, I have him taking Quiddy Pay, uh, the number one guy on our list, uh, being the first defensive end off the board. Um, you know, last year, Minnesota ranked in the bottom five in sacks. Um, it might be a little bit of a reach, you know, this high to take one of these defensive ends, but it's definitely a needed position. Right. And the reason I didn't go with who we have as the number one defensive end is because... I mean, with Jalen Phillips, you know you're going to get that health pressure. 
he's just a really big guy and he's good at keeping you know linebackers off uh, offensive linemen off of him he can also drop back and provide a little bit of coverage if necessary you know so I think Phillips at that size is you know I just think he fits the system more than you know pay would um, well I mean again the, we're both on the same track just different guys but I definitely think they they address some defensive needs there um, 15 New England uh, I have them taking Micah Parsons linebacker uh, you know we talked about him last week uh, kid out of Penn State you know he's explosive he's got speed he's got the NFL ready frame and I think he's, you know, fits the Bill Belichick mold. He, he fits what Belichick likes in his linebackers. And I think he would flourish there. Yeah, um, I once agree agree with that choice, you know. That's what they need. So, I mean, we had the same pick there. Um, I, I think New England wants to draft a quarterback. But I think all the... The top-end quarterbacks are going to be off the board at that point. Um, so I don't think they're going to reach for one. That's why I had them taking Micah Parsons. See, and I, I think New England <laughs> will end up drafting a quarterback in this draft. But at where they're at, it, it would be foolish to get the quarterback at that spot. Right. Parsons is the best fit for their team at that, posi- at that time in the draft. So I think that's what they'll go with. I, I think so. And I mean, because we're not we're not talking trades, but New England could definitely even think about trading, right? Uh, you know, Josh McDaniels, the awesome offensive coordinator for the Patriots, was in attendance at um, at Justin Fields' pro day, his second pro day today. You know, so that shows that they definitely have some interest in him, and maybe they will trade up. I mean, they've got some pieces that they can move to try and move up. Um, so we'll see. You know, try up, move up if you can't. Bill Belichick is the master of moving down and finding gems. I mean, yeah, I mean, look where they took Tom Brady. Right. And, you know, and he's, he's done that with more than just Tom Brady. You know, he when he had Julian Edelman, no one knew who he was. He became huge. Wes Walker, you know, everyone said he was too small to play. Became one of the best slot receivers we've seen growing up. So you just mentioned Julian Edelman. Um, he... Uh, officially announced his retirement from the NFL. And, you know, uh, I've been going over this for the last couple of days with, you know, my friends online. And um, I, in no way, shape, or form whatsoever do I see Edelman as a Hall of Fame player. Um, granted, he was a Super Bowl MVP, but the numbers just aren't there. I mean, um, see, and the reason I think he is maybe not your first round ballot, not maybe not first ballot Hall of Famer, but he led the NFL in receptions how many times? I mean, it wasn't necessarily the yards he got. He didn't. He never led the NFL in receptions. It's not the yards he's got. It's the amount, how many times he catches the ball. And he will get you whatever you need. It's his heart. Um. Yeah, it's just, I don't think you can keep him out. For his career, he only had 620 catches and not even 7,000 yards. I mean, 36 touchdowns for his career. How long did he play? Uh, Let's see. He was drafted in 2009. So, what, 11 years? I don't know, but if you go down there to where he's he's healthy, you know, three over 1,000-yard seasons... I, I, I just see no in no way, shape, or form is this guy a, a Hall of Famer. You know, he had 1,000-yard season in 2013, 2016, and 2019. You know, only two of those years did he have over 100 catches. He just... And didn't he get hurt last year? Mm, I think maybe, yeah. I think he only played six games. Only started one. But I just... You know, and this year, anybody would be good to get catch a pass from Cam Newton. And, and not not once did he have over 10 touchdowns. His highest touchdown total was seven. 
it was the player that he was. You know, everybody loved that, you know, he was that wide receiver that would go over the middle, catch the ball, just like Wes Walker. I mean, yeah, he, he's, for for his career, he's got a 65, 66% catch percentage. That's, that's pretty good, but not Hall of Fame worthy. I mean, especially when you got guys like Heinz Ward that aren't in the in the Hall of Fame. You know, and well, Heinz Ward's going to have some problems getting into the Hall of Fame. Not not because of the play style, but because of his off the field issues he, that you know came up. Um, but I don't know what when I'm thinking about him. That's why I said not first round or a first ballot Hall of Famer. But I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I don't think so. I really don't. I, I see in no way, shape, or form is he a Hall of Fame player. It just, the numbers aren't there. He reminded me of Rod Tidwell. And everybody loves Rod Tidwell. A fictional player. But it doesn't matter. That's the, it's the heart, you know. You can he, have all the heart in the world, but the numbers are not there to justify being a Hall of Fame player. He is not one of the greatest players to ever do it. Not a chance. I, I just, I don't, I, I don't and see, see I, it. I, the Hall of Fame, I do not believe anymore, is the greatest players to ever do it. I think it's a popularity thing. And he gets the benefit of being on a Tom Brady, you know, juggernaut team. Yeah, and... But the Hall of Fame, it, it's popularity. There are people that haven't made the Hall of Fame that definitely deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, 137 career games. And, like I said, 620 catches, less than 7,000 yards for in 12 seasons. That's not Hall of Fame worthy. It just isn't. Um, you know, we I, like I said, I went, I went back and forth on this with my friends for the last couple of days, and it's just not there. Um, you know, this is something else that we, you guys that, that are listening to this could chime in on and you know, give us your opinion on it. Um, oh, and speaking of, you know, guys giving us their opinion, we had a couple of our listeners uh, chime in on our, our Michael Vick and Deshaun Watson debate. And sorry, buddy, but you lost. Overall, Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than Michael Vick. I do no. I mean, it's a, it's opinions. I'll give you that you, you won the opinion race. But when it comes down to quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson doesn't win. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely think he does. But he doesn't. What's his record as a starter? I'd have to look, but... Go ahead, look. But the point of the matter is he's a better all-around quarterback. I just... I do not think so. Um, Michael Vick, he was a better runner... In his prime, he was a better thrower. No, than absolutely not. No, Deshaun Watson's a better passer than Michael Vick was. M- markedly more accurate. <clears throat> He's got a twenty-eight and twenty-five career record, which that's not all on the quarterback. No, it is, when you're quarterback, you know it's all on you. Yeah, it's. Like, I liked Vic because he was bigger. He would, I mean, he took more risk. You know, the the Falcons had to hire a baseball coach to teach Michael Vick how to slide because he would not slide. Um, so, I mean, yeah, like, I'll give you that, you know, the, the people that listen to our show agree with you on Deshaun Watson. But I think in today's football, Michael Vick, would have been a much better quarterback than Deshaun Watson was. Dan, I'm the, not a chance. Um, it just because you're, you're discounting the fact that Deshaun Watson can move too. You not know, like Michael Vick can't could though. No, but Michael Vick and Deshaun Watson are both mobile. Michael Vick was more athletic, absolutely. He was faster, but he was not a better passer. Um, but back, back to the Julian Edelman thing. I don't believe that he 
is a Hall of Fame quarterback or wide receiver. Um, you know, and look, Michael Vick's career record, 61 and 51. Hovering right around the same as Deshaun Watson. Also, he also threw for over thirty-two, over twenty-two thousand yards, over one hundred and thirty touchdowns, in one hundred and forty-three games. So he almost averaged a touch, at least one touchdown every single game he played, throwing the ball. Okay. You know. But Deshaun Watson, here let, let let's look him up here. Um, so Michael Vick played. In 143 games, he had 36 rushing touchdowns and 6,000 yards. In only 54 games, Deshaun Watson has 17 rushing touchdowns and 1,600 rushing yards. Almost 1,700. That's a better percentage than Michael Vick had. And passing. Michael Vick had 133 passing touchdowns. Deshaun Watson's already at 104. So tell me that he's not a better passer. And almost as good of a runner. When I put when we're talking prime, which we're talking the prime, which was Vic in Philadelphia, not the Eagles. I mean, with the Eagles, not the Falcons. No, Vic's prime after, was definitely even after Atlanta. the he spent time in prison. You know, he was a way better passer. He's no Deshaun Watson is a markedly better quarterback, definitely better passer. I mean. Michael Vick's career completion percentage, 56. Deshaun Watson, 68. Name one receiver Michael Vick had. He had quite a few. When when he was in Atlanta, which is where, you know, a lot of his passing stats got hurt, name one wide receiver he had. I'd, I'd have to look it up. That was a long time ago. Name one wide receiver that uh, Deshaun Watson's had. Yeah, he had DeAndre Hopkins. Who's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Well, that doesn't matter. It doesn't? But you... Joe Montana padded his stats by throwing it to Jerry Rice for so many years. I wouldn't say he padded his stats. I'm not saying it was a bad thing, but when you got a guy like Jerry Rice, it's padding your stats. You just throw him the ball. But you can't hold that against Deshaun Watson. Because he hasn't always had he hasn't always had DeAndre Hopkins. He is a markedly better passer and a slightly less runner. Slightly. Michael Vick changed the game of football. Okay. Deshaun Watson has not. No, because it's already been changed. By Michael Vick. Okay, so because he changed it, he's automatically a better player? Because he did it better. Even if you take his rushing stats, like, I mean, we're not going to agree on this, obviously, but I'm just talking about, like, if I was choosing my team, take Deshaun Watson, because I take Michael Vick every time I get a chance to. And he will lose. Not in a foot race. It doesn't matter. You know, when you have a quarterback running... If we're going on a foot race, then I'll take fucking... uh, uh, Lamar Jackson. I don't think you want to do that. They both ran a 4-3. And he already broke Michael Vick's rushing record for a quarterback. So if we're talking a foot race, I'll take Lamar Jackson. But it's not about a foot race. It's about a better overall quarterback. And that, without a shadow of a doubt, is Deshaun Watson. You can go with that. I will never agree with it. It will never... I mean... And that's why I have the better sports takes. You think so, but you're a Chargers fan, so that shows you your taste in teams. So? It doesn't mean my sports takes are any less. No, but you think your sports takes are so good, but you can't pick a team that wins. I picked my hometown team, and I stuck with them. So... Not your hometown team anymore. Doesn't mean I'm changing teams. What? Because I moved, you want me to change teams? No, no. You, we've already, you've already had to go through the horrible pain of them leaving San Diego. I'm not. I would never put you through that again. But I am gonna give you shit because I know you hate the fact it's the LA Chargers. Well, yeah. But <laughs> anyway, which is so weird to me. You love the LA Dodgers. Mm-hmm. You love the LA Lakers. But you pissed San Diego into LA. <laughs> well, yeah, because. San Diego Chargers were my team. Right? Yeah, well, the owners of your team were dumbasses. Well, they still are. And hopefully but. they'll be selling the team soon. <laughs> but anyway, um, it's... <sighs> now you got me all worked up. Huh? I know you do. 
And you do it on purpose. I do. It, it's so adorable. <laughs> um, so, a couple other things going on in sports. Uh, baseball's starting to hit its stride. And, you know, you can't deny the fact that the Dodgers are still king. Right. What I want to know is how the hell are you leading a, divi- a division? Not, I'm not talking about Dodgers. I'm talking about this area's loved Kansas City Royals. When you're 6-4. and four. Because the rest uh, of the AL Central is trash? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the Indians are 7-5. and five, The Tigers are 6-6. Six and six, White Sox 6-7. Six and seven, And the Twins are 6-7. and seven. The AL Central is garbage. See, and that's weird because last year the White Sox were good. Yeah. You know? It's just like everyone's like, I'm not even going to play this year because, well, screw L.A. Hey, your Mets, 5-3, and three, leading the division. Yeah, and we'll be doing great. And then the All-Star game is going to come up, and we'll lose every game after that, just like every <laughs> single year. Hey, y- y'all are doing pretty damn good right now. I mean, no, I'm, I'm hoping. I mean, I mean, hell, you're... You're leading your division by three games. And, and I hope. I, I mean, but I'm a Mets fan. It's like when Nebraska wins two games. Everybody else around me is excited, but I know at the end of the day, it's still the fucking Huskers. And, you know, I want to hear from Yankees fans. What do you guys think about your team? I mean, you're, you're sitting below 500. You're 5-7. and seven. You don't look that good. Yeah, I mean, Yankees, you need to pull out that checkbook again. They need to do something, um, you know. But it's the Yankees. You know, come the end of the year, they're going to be in the playoffs and they're going to be pushing teams. And I hate the Yankees even more because at that point they make me root for the Red, Red Sox and I hate the Red Sox almost as much as the Yankees. It's a horrible deal for me. So uh, looking at run differentials here, and I don't think it's any surprise that the Dodgers are – by far and away blowing everybody out at a plus 32. Um, the the Padres, who are getting Tatis Jr. back, are at a plus 17. Um, I, they're currently third in the in the NL West. I think they will move up now that Tatis Jr. is coming back. Um, you know, some other notable teams, the Reds, are at a plus 19. And... You know, the Red Sox are at a plus 23. So, you know, it's there, there's some definitely some powerhouse teams there. Um, but I, I still think that w- without a shadow of a doubt, the class of the MLB right now is the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the reason the Dodgers are so, will, will be so dominant is because these other teams, yeah, they got some powerhouses. But they don't have a bullpen like the Dodgers have. Right. Most teams, they have two or three, you know, like two really good pitchers and then a mediocre. And the mediocre one comes in, you know, to give the other one a break. The Dodgers don't have that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They just have a slew of amazing pitchers. And it doesn't matter who they have to sit because the one, the next up is just as good. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So when you get into a series, it, it really sucks because game three, you cannot play your best pitcher because you've already used him in game one. Yeah. So uh, you're already using a non-best pitcher. The Dodgers don't have that drop-off. No, no. Uh, our, our top five pitchers um, could be a, a starter on every team in the league. Yeah, and you have that. I don't know if he's a closer or a relief pitcher. But he comes in, he usually pitches like three innings, and he, I, I can't for my life let me think of his name, but he's freaking amazing. Kenley Jensen? Is that the one that comes in and just always bells you guys out, no mm-hmm. matter what? Mm-hmm. Okay, then, yeah. Um, is, he a, is he a relieving, or is he's he a our closer? closer? He's our closer. Today is Jackie Robinson Day, April 15th. Um, you know, that, that's kind of a big deal. You know, because what it means to the sport and what what the changes that he brought about to the sport by being the first African-American baseball player. Um, you know, I, I can't... I can't imagine where 
where the sport would be if they hadn't let him in. Um, but he was such an undeniable talent. How could they not let him in? Oh, yeah. He was not received with love. Oh, But he was no. quickly loved. Oh, absolutely. And, and the thing is, is, you know, I don't even necessarily think that he was the best African-American player at that time. I mean, you got to look at guys like Satchel Paige, who, you know, I just think that Jackie Robinson had the opportunity and took the opportunity. To be the face. To be the face. Um, but absolutely amazing player. What he did for the sport was amazing. And, you know, today is just the day, uh, the day that, you know, we remember Jackie Robinson. Yeah, I mean... It was a huge thing at that time, you know, and it, it didn't just change baseball, but it changed sports in general, you know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So he's got to be remembered because without him, there's so many players we never get. Yeah. So, um, and well, it, it does help that he was really, really good at what he did. Well, yeah. You know, still one of the greatest baseball players who ever lived. Right. Like you said, you know. You weren't taken away from him by saying he wasn't necessarily the best African-American of his time. Right. He was definitely one of them. Um, kind of funny thing that happened in the Dodgers game the other day. Uh, Justin Turner hit a, hit a home run, and one of the fans went to catch it, and it went right through his hands and splashed into his plate of nachos, all over, put cheese all over the front of him. And so... Justin Turner saw it, so he sent the dude a new plate of nachos. Because he's like, yeah, I don't think those were like $2 nachos. <laughs> I, I, mean, you I could, don't know if I'd be pissed and flip them off. Because, I mean, you know, screw you. You you knocked my nachos out. Well, he didn't do it on purpose. He hit a home run. Like, what are you going to flip him off for? Because you missed catching the ball and hit your nachos? Yeah, I'd still be pissed. He sent you some new nachos. Like, and that's why I'm going to flip him off. It's because it's like he's rubbing it in my face. No, he's being a good dude. Not only are you beating my team, but now you're fighting. It was at Dodger me. Stadium. Okay, that makes it a little bit better. The dude was, like, was a Dodgers fan. I was going to say, like, you know, he's, Rocky's losing. The dude loses his nachos, and now the, the freaking Dodger guy buys no, it, the nachos. No, it was at Dodger Stadium. <laughs> okay, I don't want to flip him off because I'd, I'd be extremely happy that he hit a home run. Yeah. Um, if I was a Rockies fan and he ruined my nachos, there'd be words. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was just, it was funny to watch. Right. Um, talk a little bit of NBA. Uh, good news for the Lakers. Anthony Davis has been cleared for practice, which means he should be coming back soon. Um, we, we need him. Yeah. Uh, it was... It was announced today also that um, Michael Jordan will serve as Kobe Bryant's presenter for the Hall of Fame, which I, I think is only fitting. You know, one goat enshrining another goat. And not only is it, you know, a goat shining a goat, as you said, but it's Michael Jordan. Right. You know, there's no one... There's nobody that could accept the reward except, you know, Kobe's wife or Michael Jordan. That Kobe's game was based on Michael Jordan's game. Right, and I think that's why they picked Jordan, and Jordan agreed to be the one to induct him into the Hall of Fame. Right, and it's like Michael Jordan said, you know, if he had, if he's playing for fun, he's playing with LeBron. If he's playing for a championship, he's picking Kobe. Right. So, I mean, that tells you what he thinks of him. Everything... Kobe did was based on Jordan. He practiced Jordan's shots. He, you know, so yeah, I mean, it, it's awesome. Yeah, and it, there was zero doubt that Kobe was going to go in. I mean, like I said, he's one of the greatest to ever play the game. He's going to be a first ballot. Um, in a way, he saved basketball. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, at that time, basketball, like you said, bas he saved basketball. He was kind of on the decline as far as, you know, popularity and people watching it. And, and then you get this, you know, kid coming straight from high school that could play like that and it was flashy. And, you know, the way he so closely modeled Michael Jordan's game. 
Right. Um, you know, forever will be my favorite basketball player of all time. And a little fun fact, I didn't know he wasn't drafted by the Lakers. I always, I no, thought was, the Lakers drafted, drafted him. he was drafted by the Hornets. Yeah. And then traded for Vladi Diva on draft night. How do you think they feel about that trade? Right. <laughs> Rivers and Manning, do not trade on draft day. Yeah, he, he was drafted by the Hornets, and then they proceeded to trade him for Vladi Diva. Uh, yeah, it was just, and then didn't, they, didn't the Lakers end up later on getting him? Who? Divock back? Um, I don't think so. I thought he was on one of the championship teams no. with Kobe. No, but uh, I, I just think that's really cool that, that Jordan's going to be the one to uh, induct him into the, the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, it, no one better could do it. I mean, so, yeah. Um, take a, Kind of take a quick peek at the, the standings right now. Uh, in the East, you know, it's still the, the Sixers, the Nets, and the Bucks. Um Atlanta is starting to creep up there a little bit. Um, they're sitting in fourth. Boston, we're hoping, is going to get their stuff together. They're they're up to fifth. Um, currently on a four-game winning streak. They're, they're playing the Lakers right now in, in a close game in the second. Um, but, you know, it, not much has changed in the East as far as Sixers, Nets, Bucks at the top. Yeah, but the Western's going to look a lot different in a few weeks. Yeah, uh, over in the West, it's still Jazz, Suns, Clippers, Nuggets, Lakers. Um, we'll see if we'll see what happens with the Nuggets though. Are they going to fall off and you know that losing Murray's that's going to that's going to hurt you. Yeah, uh, and he's out for the season now, so there's no playoffs with him. Yeah, and um, with yeah, because he, he tore his ACL. Yeah. And, you know, Jamal Murray was the star on that team. Um, but the Lakers, you know, like I said, Anthony Davis is getting real close to coming back. And we should see LeBron before too long as well. So, you know, put those guys back in that in that lineup. And, you know, they'll, they'll start making their way back up the standings. And also the you know since LeBron and AD's been out, the players they've started playing better without LeBron and AD. Right. Uh, you know they started getting that chemistry going. So now you're just gonna add two more players into that that can play. Right. You know I, that's I was gonna bring that up too is you know you got these guys that are getting the experience without without those two superstars and kind of figuring in their way and still holding you know holding tight it in the playoff race. And, you know, you said you bring back those two guys. Look what it's going to do for you. Um, Brooklyn had a piece that they had acquired in LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, who has uh, announced his retirement uh, rather suddenly um, because he uh, he had a irregular heartbeat the other night. And went to went went to the the doctor, and you know it wasn't getting any better. So he said, "Screw it! It's time to call it quits." Um, you know I I don't think it'll hurt the the Nets too much because they still have all those guys, right? But you know it's definitely a veteran presence. You know, a guy that can give you numbers, you know, leaving your team. And you're going to have to find a way to fill that hole. But, um, you know, I, I wish him nothing but the best in his health. You know, hopefully he can get right. Um, and, you know, I've watched him play for years and years. Right. And you know, the best thing I can say about about uh, the Nets is I loved watching Dennis Schroeder get Kyrie Irving kicked out of the game. That was great. <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll take that trade. Kyrie Irving for Dennis Schroeder, I take it. Um, you know, I, I want to look at teams like the Rockets and the Thunder. You know, for the last I don't know eight nine years, they've been perennial playoff teams. They've always been at the top of the standings. Now you take one or two pieces off of them, and they're at the bottom. They immediately fall to the bottom. 
Because basketball is that one sport where one player can make a team. You know, it, it it's so much different than every other one. I mean, look at, you know, for instance, LeBron James. He went to Cavaliers, the worst team in the NBA. They made it to the championship. You know, take Thunder. They were always in the playoffs, always, you know, talked about possibly going to the championship. You take away one player, and they're nobody again. Right. You know, LeBron went to Miami. Cavaliers, I mean, Cavaliers got the first pick in the next draft. So, I mean, basketball is definitely that one sport where one player can make a breaker team. Well, and I think that, that I think that mostly is because, you know, there's only five guys on the floor at a time. So one guy can make that big of a difference. Right. Whereas with, you know, football, there's more guys on both sides of the ball. You know, there's 11 guys on offense, 11 guys on defense. Right. And not only that, but I mean... You know, you score a touchdown in the NFL, it's six points no matter where you are. You know, you can go for three-pointers or two-pointers in basketball. You can draw the foul and get more points that way. So you have more ways to take over the game in basketball. Right, and and, and with basketball, it's, you know, more... What am I trying to say here? More, you have more control over the game because you do play both offense and defense and... You know, again, it's five guys on the floor. Right. So, yeah, like I was just looking at that earlier. Like, the Rockets lost James Harden, and now they're at 14 and 41. So, it just shows what one guy can do. But, and you know, there was a reason why James Harden left the Rockets. They were declining last year. He knew he was no longer on a team that is going to make it to a championship anytime soon. Right. Um, so next week with our position rankings, um, we are going to look at safeties. There's a couple of real good safeties coming up in the draft. Uh, we will also have, uh, 16 through 20 in our mock draft. Um, so definitely look forward to that. You know, hopefully we'll have some more news on the Deshaun Watson case because uh, there's been some stuff going on there. <coughs> but uh, I, I appreciate everybody listening. You know, we, we do this because it's something we enjoy talking about. Yeah, and whoever commented, I haven't seen it, I apologize for that, but and said, you know, Deshaun Watson's better than Michael Vick. I ain't mad. Shout, shout out to my boy Cody Nichols. Oh, see, that's why. I mean, he, he's part of the Tav family. Yeah, but again, he's got taste like you got taste. I mean... Take it for what it's worth. But I ain't angry about shit. It's an opinion. I would, you know, like, I liked Vic because of what he was able to do. You like Watson for whatever he's able to do. It's it's not winning, so I'm not sure what it is. But, you know, to each their own. All right. But anyway, um, it's always fun being here with you guys. Uh, for Lazy Boy Coaches, I'm Scott. I'm out. And we'll catch you guys yeah. next week. <laughs>